Hey, did y'all, uh, did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Anybody get some rest? Anybody take a nap? Anybody eat a lot of food? Ann, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? This is Ann Marie Minor, by the way, our girls director. Um, I went home to South Georgia and hung out with my family. I, um, I'm a big hunter, if you didn't know that. Um, I hit a deer with my car. So that was fun, but also shot a deer after that. So that was fun. So, yeah. Deers are falling all over the place when they get around you, huh? Uh, well, hey, I always look forward to um, these nights. Um, these are, they're fun for us because we kind of, you know, like we spend a lot of time trying to craft content that really meets you guys where you are. Um, but that's hard to do get 100% correct. And so nights like tonight give us an opportunity to hear from you and hopefully be able to um, answer some questions that you have, uh, maybe things that you've been thinking about all semester, or maybe things that just pop into your head tonight. So um, a few rules before we jump into it. Actually, before I get to rules, let me tell you how this is going to work. Um, so if you can see up here on these screens, um, well, yeah, okay. Um, so if you can see up here on these screens, what uh, we have are some QR codes in the top left corner. Um, this is kind of like an active participation thing. So if you guys would, just all get your phones out, scan that QR code. If you are um, too far back for your camera to pick it up, then you can slide out and walk on up here. It's like we're not super formal tonight or anything like that. Um, so basically scan that QR code, and uh, it's going to allow you to do one of two things. One, it's going to allow you to write in questions, and those questions we will see kind of up here on my iPad, and we'll be able to answer those questions tonight. It will also, even if you don't have a question, it will allow you to vote questions, okay? So you guys are in charge of what we talk about. So as you see some questions on here, like there's some questions already loaded in, you can get in there, you can click them, and you can upvote them, and we're always going to just go with the question that's at the top. Does that sound good? Um, so that's how you can participate, and you guys are in charge of tonight what we talk about. Um, with that being said, a couple ground rules, and then we'll get started. Um, First ground rule is um, only ask questions that you want to know the answer to. Um, and here's what I mean. This is not your opportunity for your, like, your best gotcha question. Um, I'm not hard to, to get, so you know, if you want to give me a gotcha question, do it after service. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's really not what we're for or what we're trying to accomplish tonight. Um, so definitely make sure we're only asking questions that we want to know the answer to. Um, but then in addition to that, um, I would also say a rule is that uh, we can say, I don't know. Like, we're, I'm, I'm okay to say that. It's not, you know, it's not a pride thing for me. Anne's the same way. Like, we, we totally have permission to say, I don't know tonight. And uh, if we do say that and you, you know, want to talk to us a little further about it, um, like, we can get you answers. We, we can. We just, you know, limited knowledge up here tonight. Um, and so uh, if y'all want to find myself or Anne after service, then we will most certainly um, kind of talk to you and try to point you in the right direction if we didn't do a good job of doing so here tonight. So, um, you know, really tonight is not about us trying to like show off our theological knowledge or more so our lack thereof. Um, really what tonight is all about, like I said earlier, um, every week, I get 40 minutes, and if I go over 40 minutes, then Anne yells at me, so she yells at me a lot. And so uh, typically, I can only cram so much into those 40 minutes, and so this is y'all's opportunity um, to kind of ask things that we weren't able to fit into this semester. So um, with that being said, we will um, we'll jump into it. This is live, and apparently y'all are a big fan favorite of this first question. How do I discern between God's will and my feelings. How do I discern between God's will and my feelings? And you want to start us off or you want me to? I'll start. Um, I think that prayer and reading God's word is the biggest thing um, with that. Just honestly tell God your feelings um, and go to his word and see what his word says and um, just ask him to refine it. Like, you can ask those questions to God and say, okay, God, I need you to tell me, give me wisdom. Is this my feelings or is this your will? Um, but God's word is clear in wisdom and like Psalms and Proverbs. Um, it gives you kind of a good filter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think, um, 
we actually, if you guys remember earlier in the semester, we, we talked about feelings a little bit, and we said a few things about your feelings. We said, one, um, that your feelings are, are true, they're just not trustworthy. Um, and we also said that your feelings are real, but they're not reliable. And so um, when it comes to your feelings you and trying to discern, is this something that I feel or is this from God's word? The first thing that you should do, like where you start, is you hold up your feelings and you, you hold up God's word. You look at those two things side by side, and, and you can pretty much go ahead and eliminate, like you can, you can eliminate, it, it's not God's will if it doesn't align with God's word, because God's will is never going to contradict God's word. Um, so I would start there. Um, but I, I also think, you know, we get in our minds, and you can speak into this, we get in our minds and we think that God can't work through, like, something that, that we, I'm careful with my words here, but... We, we almost think that God can't work through our desires. I'll put it that way. Um, God most certainly can work through your desires. So I, I don't know that the right question is, um, how do I discern between God's will and my feelings? I think maybe the right question to go or to ask is to say, is what I desire God's will for my life? Does that make sense kind of? Um, like one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, I've, I've um, I think I've taught this to you guys before. I'm, I'm sure I have. Um, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, and so literally what that means without going on a 30-minute tangent and taking all of our time um, is when the Bible talks about delighting yourself in the Lord, it, it, it really that word delight speaks of being pliable, being moldable, like allowing the Lord to take your life and do what he wants with it. Like your yes is on the table, God, no matter where you want me to go, what you want me to do, my answer is yes. If you can get there, then the Bible says, like if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. That is not to say that if you want a million dollars that the Lord's like, here you go. Uh, really what that is saying is not that he'll give you what you desire, but that he'll put desires in your heart, right? Like he'll make his desires for you, your desires for you. So I, I would maybe change that question just a little bit and say, just because like, like you, God's not going to like, you know, come down to you in a cloud and whisper in your ear what he wants you to hear. Like he moves through your desires. He might do that. I don't know uh, if you're real, real spiritual, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, so don't be, don't let something that you feel, don't let your desires scare you away from thinking that, man, that could be God working through those desires. Yeah, I agree with all of that. One more thing to add too. I know that especially for us girls, uh, guys, y'all might get this way too. I don't know. But I know that sometimes when we're so deep in our feelings, sometimes it's so hard. We get so clouded. And so it's so important to have a community of people around you that are going to help you discern That's that right. too. Because sometimes Absolutely. you can't really even weed through that. Yeah. Um, I've had times in my life where I've literally like, I know what to do, but I needed somebody's hand to walk me to that. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to a friend, a trusted godly um, counsel or a biblical counselor and say, hey, will you help me figure out, you know, discern God's will between my feelings? Because that's super important to you. Yeah. And not to spend too long on this question, but like, this is why we push small groups so hard. Um, because you guys can take these, like, you know, we, we can try to point you in the right direction from the stage, but this is, these are the things you bring to your small group. Hey, I feel like uh, you know, I have this strong desire to, I don't know, change my major, my major for the fifth time. Um, small group, give me some wisdom. Like, uh, and, and hopefully the people in your small group are also walking alongside the Lord and they're like, all right, tell, tell us why you feel that. Tell us kind of the circumstances surrounding it. And they're like the Proverbs says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. So you guys can kind of work through that together. So don't be scared of your desires, but also, and I completely, completely agree with that. Um, how do I like erase this thing? Um, I guess we don't erase it. I'll just go to the next one. Is that all right? Um, okay. Uh, oh, thank you, Clay and Carly. That's great. Um, so next question says, how do you get out of a season of spiritual apathy or laziness? How do you get out of a season of spiritual apathy or laziness? You want me to start or you? Um, I would say I feel like I kind of just came out of um, one of these seasons. Um, life, we just had a baby, you, a lot of you guys know that, and um, I mean, life changes, like it gets flipped upside down a little bit, like what, you, what used to be your routine is no longer your routine, because there's a child screaming, and um, I don't know, it, it just gets tough, and so I, I felt like a little bit of this semester, and then a little bit over summer, 
I, I don't know, I just kind of, I, I felt that. Like, I, whoever asked this question, like, I've, I've been there. And I think many people would say, um, would say that you're there. Um, I don't know that I have a silver bullet answer, but I'll, I'll give you a few things, kind of how I have navigated through, through seasons like this. Um, one, and I'm already seeing a little bit of a trend here, um, this is where, like, community is so crucially important. Um, this, is, this is where you go to that small group and you tell them that this is what you're walking through. Um, because you need people surrounding you in prayer. Like, like you, you need to be um, praying, and man, it's going to feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling some days. Um, but you need other people around you that are like fighting for you on your team that are, that are praying for you. Um, I, I would say, too, for me, um, I, I think in these seasons, I have a temptation to believe a lot of lies. Um, so, for instance... Um, I have the temptation to, um, to believe, like, um, for instance, the lie, like, man, I, I don't really feel like God's hearing my prayers too well. Um, I, I feel like, I don't know, you know, maybe I would believe the lie of um, I, I'm not good enough, like I'm not spending enough time in God's Word, whatever it is. And, and it, the lies could be different for you, but, but I would say um, when the enemy starts to whisper lies in your ear, that is the number one time that you need to be running to truth. And so if, um, if don't, don't allow yourself in those seasons of spiritual apathy or laziness to deviate from, from getting in God's word every day. Um, like God's getting, opening this book, it will not always be a desire. Sometimes it's a discipline. Um, and so really what, what I've learned is that it's in those seasons of discipline where you, where you stay consistent, um, that you see most fruit come and like it really, like you learn to desire this book so much more. So I, I'll start there and you can, um, I think it's important to, to know, um, the difference between, or kind of be aware of your flesh. Like you're going to naturally go towards laziness and spiritual apathy. Mm. And, you know, there's seasons where it's harder, but, um, I think it's just important to, something that I found is just go against it. Like you literally have to just get up and go do something. And I know sometimes in seasons like that, it's like, I literally have no motivation to do it, but that's when you just do it. Like even ask a friend, like when it's hard for you to do it by yourself again, like we keep saying, Logan said, you know, there's going to be a common thread, but like bring community in, like ask a friend, like, Hey, do you want to go read the Bible together somewhere? Like I'm having a hard time doing it right now. Um, so yeah, invite somebody else in on that season, let them know and say, yeah, just bring a friend along and just go against your flesh. Really? Do what it doesn't want you to do. Yeah, yeah. I would, I, and I think it's good, like you said, you got to distinguish between apathy and laziness. Laziness is, uh, I think laziness and apathy are both choices that you make. Um, and so if, if you're there, if, if, if the re, like you're going through this season, you have to ask yourself, is this a result of choices that I'm making or am I looking for something that I shouldn't be looking for? Uh, and without like getting too far into that, like what do you want? You know, like what do you want that you don't have? Are you chasing like a, like you you want to feel the tingles in worship or you know, I don't know how to say that but like uh, like like what are you what are you looking for like what do you not have that you're trying to get um, and and I think kind of asking some of those questions will kind of help you do what you said in and like search your heart figure out where where you're at I have one more thing to add to that too I think it's like I've talked about the flesh you know our flesh cannot do that so really it's hard to get up and do it but when you pray about it like ask the Lord to give you that desire. And keep asking for it. Like, don't ask the Lord, and then five seconds later, like, oh, I don't have it. Like, God doesn't listen to my prayers. But just continue to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, like, give me a joy. Like, restore my joy, you know, in this. And, um, and he will, but sometimes it just takes time. Yeah. seasons. That's good. Let's move on to, um, to the next one. So this next question says, um, how to know where the Lord is leading you in the next season and how to follow in obedience? You want to speak into that, or you want? Yeah, I will. Um, I think this kind of talks or kind of is similar to the first question, but um, I'd say look at your circumstances. And again, godly counsel is so important in this. So community and just even, you know, bringing these, it's never make decisions like alone. Like you need people speaking into your life. But um, honestly, like look at what's there in front of you. Like sometimes we can be like, I don't know if God's leading me to do this. And he's just like, opened a door wide open in your face and you're like, I don't know, but you just, we almost like romanticize it or like mystify it. But sometimes God just literally 
works in our circumstances. Like, has God put this in front of you? Then, like, do the next right thing and, you know, do it for his glory. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can go a little more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate to keep, like, drawing it, drawing the circle back to community, but I, that is such a big answer to this question. Um, how do you know where the Lord is leading you in the next season? How to follow in obedience to that? You need people in the boat with you. Like, you need people that you can say, hey, here's what I feel like the Lord is leading me towards. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are awesome verses for you to, um, for you to uh, commit to memory. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, do not lean, this part is huge, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Um, I love those verses whenever we talk about God's will, especially, you know, we're, it's what we're talking about, like what's next? Uh, do I know when the Lord is leading me to the, to the next season? Um, we as humans have this insatiable desire inside of us to lean on our own understanding. Um, and I don't blame us because that's just kind of how we're wired. But at the same time, like we get, our, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble when the, our um, our decision-making process factors in our own understanding. Um, if I leaned on my own understanding in my life up until I'm 26 now, like up until this point, um, I would not be here right now. I'd be like in Jacksonville doing who knows what. Um, the decision to move to Georgia and, um, you know, come work at a summer camp that was in Cleveland, Georgia, like where is that? Um, that, that decision was totally opposite of my own understanding. Like, I got paid absolutely nothing. It made no sense. There were people that were like, really? Like, you're going to leave your family, go make very little money, but I'm looking back at it, and I'm going, like, I would have had it no other way. And um, I don't say that to, like, boast. I, I say that because I, through that process, I learned the truth of that verse. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um, and, and when we get there, um, the end of that verse says, he'll make our path straight. Like he will, he will help us to see what that right next step is to take. Another um, really good chapter in Proverbs. Proverbs is great for wisdom. If you just need wisdom, go read it. And it just gives you principles for life. But it says the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Like it's not wrong for us to make plans. It's not wrong for us to, you know, go interview for positions and things like that. But the Lord will establish your steps in that. And we just pray this to God. Say, Lord, like I'm planning this. Like I need you to establish my steps. Open the doors. Make it clear. You know, show me what I need to do. And he provides wisdom too when we ask for it. James, yeah, it's awesome. Um, next question says, what should a Christian dating relationship look like? Um, and this will be our last question because I'm going to spend 30 minutes talking about it. I'm just kidding. Um, I'll, I'll start and then you kind of put in whatever you, uh, you would like to say. But um, stay tuned for the spring because we're going to talk about dating for a few weeks. I love talking about dating. It's one of my favorite things. Um, not, not dating is not one of my favorite things, talking about dating. Um, the first thing that pops into my head is you need to know in a Christian dating relationship, you, you need to date the right person. <laughs> um, and I know that seems pretty obvious, uh, but a lot of people get that wrong, okay? Um, illustration that um, I got from a book called um, Outdated. Jonathan Pecluda wrote it. You should go read it. It's awesome. Um, but he tells this illustration about um, when you go to the store um, and you are like, you know, the way that he tells it, he says he'd go to the store and his wife would send him into the store to get like um, a carton of milk. And um, he, he said that she is very specific as to what she sends, like what kind of milk. He, it's like, you know, 2% fat, blue cap, expiration date past a certain amount. Like, she's very specific um, on the kind of milk that she wants. And um, what, what he says is that if when he goes into a store, and you guys know this, well, you can take milk out of the equation. When you go into a store and you have no idea what it is that you're looking for, you've just got money to burn. You're like a middle school kid in a gas station with $5, right? You are going to stay in that store way longer than you need to stay. And you're likely to walk out with something that you don't want. Um, and I think that that's true of dating. We, we need to, like, you start by knowing what you're looking for. 
Uh, and so for us, a, a great passage that I like to look to is um, 1 Timothy 4.12. Um, this verse is not about dating, but it gives a great list of qualities that I, I think you can look for um, in a godly spouse. Um, this verse says, don't, look down on, uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example for the believers in speech. So what do they say? Um, in conduct, how do they act? Um, in love, like what do they love? What are the desires of their heart? Do they love um, football and that's all they love? Or do, can you tell that they love Jesus, right? Um, so, so what do they love? Um, in faith, like they should, should have a relationship with Jesus. This is like foundational. You're dating the wrong person if you're a believer and you're not dating someone who has a relationship with Jesus. You're like, but He's, he's coming around. Like, I think I really can see it. Great. Break up with him. And when he gets there, then get back together. Right. Um, and, and here's why. Um, I, I know we, well, one, it's biblical. So, uh, it, you know, it talks about don't be unequally yoked with non-believers, but, but also, um, the Bible is clear in first John, um, that God is love. Okay. Um, so the way that I look at that is I go, if, if you're dating somebody that doesn't love God and they're telling you that they love you, they are lying to you because they don't know love. Like they don't know true love. They, they might have feelings towards you, but you will not, like you are not setting yourself up for marriage, um, you know, if, if you're not dating a, a, a believer. Um, I, I digress for a moment. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's a super vague, vague question. It's a great question. I mean, like Logan said, we love to talk about it and I love when people talk about it, but it, Honestly, and there's a lot of opinions about all of this, but I mean, Scripture is talk, constantly talking about you know, you know, treat one another like or younger brothers like in all purity. Like, you really want to, I mean, serve and honor one another. You want to love them, um, and just like a friendship, like get to know that person on a level. You're not married at this time. I feel like Christians we almost idolize this view of marriage, and yeah. that can show up in our dating, and so we. We act like married couples, and we're like, yeah. "Oh, let's go do you don't everything need a dog together." When you yeah, date. exactly. You don't buy a, yeah, get a family dog yeah. when you're in college. Yeah. So you know, be wise. You know, know that your singleness is a gift, and so even in your college years, in the context of you guys, like, you'll never get these years back. And so it's not wrong to date, but do it wisely. You know, like, yeah, yeah get to know that person, but also know that these years of your life are you, you don't get them back, and so you have such a unique opportunity to serve the Lord you know, with undivided devotion, as First Corinthians says. And so, um, yeah, just be wise and treat them like a brother. I mean, brother in Christ. And know that, um, again, our flesh is weak. And so both people want to go, you know, the opposite direction, but seek in every way to almost guard that person's flesh, you know, make no provision for the flesh. So I yeah. think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, yeah, just love the Lord and chase them together. Serve together. Get involved in your local church. Make sure both of you guys are involved mm -hmm. in small groups. And even like a big group of friends, like, you know, dive in together and go do fun things with other people and, you know, observe character, things like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's a vague question. You, there's a lot of answers, but yeah. there's a couple things. Um, again, get people in the boat with you. Like some of the best filters for is the person that I'm dating the right person is the people around you. They, they have a perspective that, that you don't. Y'all, like, I, I can tell, I've seen this so many times. Um, you know the show that, uh, th this is not, hang on, I'm like blending things together. <laughs> Make, say the wrong thing again. Um, the show, the Love is Blind, y'all see, y'all know that show? Um, I, you shouldn't watch it, that was a test, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I don't watch that show, I say that because the title. Um, I have watched that show, Aaliyah got real into it, it was great. Um, but that title, um, like, I really think, uh, when, I, when I think about love uh, in terms of a college student, it is blinding, like blinding. I, I cannot be more clear about that. When you get feelings for, call it love, call it whatever you want, um, when, when you start to have feelings for somebody else, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. You can't. Um, and you might think you can. You will find all the ways to justify the decisions you're making. Uh, but I'm telling you, it, love, it is, it is a blinding thing. I have seen so many college students make decisions that they will regret for years and years and years because love is a blinding thing. And so you need community to be able to speak into your life. Um, last thing I'll say, and we got to move on. I told you I'm going to spend a long time on this question, but 
Um, I truly believe, and this comes not from like um, the, the pastor spiritual guy, this comes from experience. Like I, I did this wrong, and I'm telling you now, in hindsight, what I've learned. Um, my wife and I, uh, my now wife and I, we started dating when um, we were in high school. So I was a senior, she was a junior, okay? We, marriage was not on the horizon for us as it, you know, that's the case for many, many college students, many high school students. Um, I do not believe it is wise to date in uh until marriage is on is somewhere in the near future, okay? And, and here's why I say that. Because one, um, Scripture does not talk about dating, but it talks a lot about marriage and how important marriage is, okay? And dating is something that we have created, society has created, and, and it is nothing more than a, a process of evaluation for marriage, Okay, so your dating relationships will end in one of two ways. Either A, you're going to end in a breakup, or B, it will end in you getting married. So if you're dating and marriage is not at, it's not some, at some point in the near future, then you are doing like one of a few things. Either A, you're dating for fun, which all you're doing is wasting one another's time. You're like dating for status. Or two, you're dating for experience, for practice. And all you're doing is practicing for divorce. Because, I mean, like, again, what's the, the logical conclusion or the, the places that you'll end up? It is either breaking up or it is getting married. And so I think that's a word of wisdom. I know that um, flies very differently to how many of you view dating, but again, that's not just like, man, uh, me trying to be spiritual. That's, that's um, I speak from experience. Aaliyah and I dated for four and a half years. If I could go back, I would change it. I would not date her until we were ready because you spend so long dating. I mean, we made mistakes between the time that we started dating to the time that we got married, and we would, we would definitely take that back. So um, yeah, it comes from, from experience. Um, next question says, how do you it moved. How do you share the gospel to a family member who doesn't or won't believe? I'll start with this one. Um, as somebody who is earnestly seeking for family members to, you know, come to know the Lord, it is, this is a hard question because it's such a hard thing to wrestle with. Um, you know, I know for myself, I'm always like, God, like, why aren't you saving them? And, um, you know, I'm praying for them. And I'm sure this person who asked this question, I'm sure you're praying for them. Um, I think it's so important, though, to go back to the heart of God and that he is trustworthy. He loves them more than you love them, more than you could ever love them. Um, he is wise. He is all wise. Um, and he, um, again, he's trustworthy. But he also, his timelines and our timelines don't add up. So what we think, you know, would make sense. I had, you know, a godly counselor in my life tell me this, you know, there might be something in their life that needs to happen um, that will, you know, draw them to the Lord. And it's hard to watch as somebody, you know, who you want them to know the Lord so much. Um, but just trust the heart of God, continue to pray for them. Um, but also just love them, like listen to them, hear their questions about the gospel. Don't just beat them over the head and say, you need to believe this, believe this, believe this. Listen to their, you know, their, I guess, what is the word I'm looking for? Their hesitations to come into the Lord. Like, ask those honest questions and be okay with it um, and just kind of hear them out and just be a listening ear. I feel like so many Christians nowadays were, you know, believe in the gospel or I don't want to be your friend, but, you know, that's not loving them, you know, or um, I don't know. So just love them, continue to listen to them, continue to be that godly example. But prayer, honestly, I mean, we always treat it as a last resort in these areas, but really, I mean, that's our only hope ever because the Lord is the only one that can save, um, and he's the one that moves in their hearts. So just continue to pray for them and pray for people, them, the Lord to put people in their lives because it might not even be you that brings them to the Lord. You know, yeah. it might be a random person on the street one day. So um, I must kind of broaden your horizons in that prayer, but just continue to pray and love them and trust in the heart of God. Yeah. These are some of the most difficult conversations to have in life, I think. Um, I don't know what it is about family. Like, you'd almost think it'd be the other way around, but I guess it's, like, perceived as awkward. And um, I, I think, really, you're afraid of rejection, and family's kind of always around, and so you don't want to turn them away from you. But um, I, I would say, man, 
it can be really easy in sharing the gospel with family and really with anyone um, to beat around the bush. And I have been learning when it comes to sharing the gospel with other people um, that that's just really not helpful. It's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for them. And so I don't mean like you charge them and throw a Bible at them. Um, but what I do mean is that um, we talked about last time that we met, we talked about some questions that you can ask. And that you can do this however you want. I mean, this is just a method that, that I shared. But asking two questions um, you know, for me has proven helpful. Um, one is asking the question, hey, if you were to die right now on a scale of one to 10, one being unsure and 10 being absolutely certain, if you were to die right now, how certain are you that you would be in heaven? And then the follow-up question to that is, um, well, if Jesus were to look at you and uh, like you, you've, you've died, you're standing before him, Jesus were to look at you and said, why should I let you in? What would you say to that? Um, and I just think a lot of us, we're scared to ask questions like that. I don't know if we think we're going to get like beat up or, uh, you know, what, what we think that the response is going to be. But I do think that we have a tendency to beat around the bush, especially with family. And, and we take the, the whole like share the gospel and when necessary, use words. And that's just not like that's bad advice. Um, words are used like more times than not in the book of Acts whenever you see the gospel really going forward. So. I have one more thing to share that's super practical. Um, Christ Place has this acronym that they use. I'm sure it's not original to Christ Place, but I've just heard it from them. And it's called the BLESS strategy. So the B starts um, stands for begin with prayer. So pray for them. Um, the L stands for listen. The E stands for eat. So just like eat with them. I mean, I'm sure you eat with your family all the time. But um, And then the S, the first S stands for serve. So do something to serve them. Like show your love. Like show that selfless Christ-like love to them because that is so contradictory to what the world has to say, and I'm sure that really anything they've ever seen, so that doesn't make sense to them. Um, and then the second S is share, and this is what I really want to, you know, encourage you guys, is share your testimony. Like, your story, your family knows you better than anybody else knows you, and um, your testimony is so powerful to them um, because, I mean, that's really one of the biggest things that you have to share the gospel with is how the Lord has personally changed your life. Um, and so I know for me, I've gotten to share, you know, with one of my aunts and it was just like, it just felt natural. It just felt more natural because that's what you're, you know, your own experience of the Lord and they can't be like, Oh, that's not true. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. Just, I encourage you guys share your testimony with them. Yeah. That's, that's really a powerful tool that, that you have. Uh, next question says, what are some steps a man can take to lead in a relationship? And, uh, that question has been like coming up a lot in my life. Um, I, well, I, I say that I feel like there's a lot of college students that I have heard asking that question. Um, and so I'll, I'll give a quick answer to this because I think one of the ways that I would point to is um, everything that we said a second ago. Um, guys, you need to take initiative. Um, you need to take initiative to ask um, and go up to her and do not send her a text message. Do not send her a, like, you know, Instagram DM, um, go up to her and ask her, will you go on a date with me? Um, so that's the first way that you can lead is, um, by asking. Um, I think the second way that you could, that you can lead is spiritually. So, um, when, when I, when I think about this, um, simply this is not like I, I personally, um, different people have different com convictions about this. I don't see a lot of benefit from like you guys going through your little his and hers devotion book together. Um, you can. Uh, I, I don't necessarily, I think that there's, there's something really special when you get married in, in doing some things like that together that I, my personal conviction is I, I think dating steals a little bit of that if you try to jump into it too quickly. Like you're still two people with your own individual relationship with the Lord and you're not one flesh yet um, and, until you're married. So that's the first thing is, is lead spiritually. You can do that um, by getting into a good church, like making sure that you're, that you're both growing in your relationship with the Lord. Guys, um, like pick her up, take her to church. Um, it's a, it's an awesome time to get to spend together, um, every Sunday. So I, I would say definitely lead. Oh no, what have I done? Uh, definitely lead spiritually. And, um, the second thing that I would say lead, um, I don't know. I don't have a cool word for this. Um, lead in such a way that like, oh, lead with, um, like with clarity. Okay. Um, don't leave her guessing as to like, what the status of the relationship is. Like, be clear about your intentions. Um, ladies, I think this is important for you to hear too. Like, um, it, clarity is kindness across the board. Um, but guys, be very clear with your intentions. Um, like, so, so many people, 
like to say, oh, I'm dating for marriage, but it's like, you're the only one in the relationship that knows that. <laughs> you know, she's like news to her. Um, and so like, be clear about your intentions uh, as, as you go about dating. And, and if you approach dating in such a way that it really is an evaluation towards marriage, and it, you're not trying to play married when you're in college, um, then it will make those, those um, leadership conversations a lot easier. Um, it will make the conversations about, hey, you know, where are you at with our relationship? Like, here's kind of some things that I'm feeling. Um, you know, seeing you do this, this, this gives me confidence. Things like that. So you can lead um, by kind of just sharing intention and things like that. Do you have anything to add, Ann? No, that's good. Cool. Next question. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with anxiety in a spiritual way? Um, so... Yeah. Anxiety is hard. Um, I've had several conversations, you know, with a lot of people. I've had people in my family deal with anxiety. Um, I feel like, you know, if you're a believer, you know, your identity is not in having anxiety. It's just a part of life sometimes. And the Lord, you know, allows it to be part of your life for sometimes seasons, sometimes people lifetimes. Um, and it is, it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, the first one is definitely prayer, and kind of like we talked about, you know, I think this kind of goes back to the first question that we talked about, you know, how do I discern God's will and my feelings? I feel like anxiety is definitely one where it's like, man, I know what I need to believe, but I'm struggling to believe it. Um, and like I said, you know, for different reasons, you know, I started seeing a biblical counselor last semester, and I just needed somebody to hold, I, I knew these things to be true, but I needed somebody to hold my hand. So community, community. Um, when you're struggling with anxiety, it's so hard to do it alone. Do not isolate yourself. Trust in somebody, a, a, a godly friend, a small group, somebody. Um, tell somebody. Tell somebody that you're struggling. Um, and, yeah, just invite them in on it if you feel like you're too clouded to really deal with it um, by yourself. Um, pray through it. Um, just ask the Lord, you know, how do you want me to use this? Um, I think it's 2 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 9, where it talks about, you know, Paul's he had this thing that he pleaded with the Lord three times and said, God, please take this away. And he didn't. And um, Paul, at the end of that, says, like, my grace is, you know. I got you. I got you. Yes, I got please. you. I'm Somebody, flipping. I'm not my gonna, fingers can't turn that uh, fast enough. 12-9. Uh, yeah, uh, but he said to me, my grace. So I, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, that thorn in the flesh. Second um, Corinthians 12-9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Yes, and that I want to focus on that. <laughs> um, I want to focus on that, that second verse. Um, and I will boast all the more gladly. Like, it's okay. Like, anxiety, the enemy will try to tell you that you are the only person that struggles with that, and you are not. You are not. And so open up to somebody about it, and odds are they're going to be like, wait, me too. Um, so don't isolate yourself. There are other people who struggle with it, and um, boast in it. Say, hey, like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a weak person, but Christ's power, you know, his power is made perfect to my weakness. So I'll let you speak a little bit more on that. Um, I actually had a long conversation with Peyton about this before the service started, not because Peyton's anxious, but because I was telling him about what I've walked through this past year. Um, I, I believed that anxiety existed, um, but I never quite, uh, I, de I never dealt with it. And I'm not going to say I thought that it was um, a joke, but I definitely, I just had never walked through it before is what I'm trying to say. And um, about a year ago, like I'm coming up on a, on a year of this, um, I, to make a really long story short, Peyton's like, you're not about to tell this in as <laughs> short of a time as you think you are. Um, so make a long story short, I got sick, like kind of normal upper respiratory infection like a year ago. Um, that normally ends in a cough for me. So I was like coughing my lungs up for a week. I did something where, this is, sounds so lame, I know. Uh, I did some, I like pulled something in my chest. Um, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I did something, and I started noticing, like, that so, just some feeling in my chest that I couldn't explain, and um, I genuinely thought that I was going to have a heart attack and die. Um, I, and I know this sounds goofy, but I, I'm telling you, this is what, this is kind of how it happened. Um, so I start to think that I'm going to have a heart attack and die, and um, I got anxious about that. Never, I never had been anxious before, but had, I got really anxious about it. Well, the thing about anxiety is there's physical symptoms that come along with it. So then those symptoms started to present themselves. And I said, I really am dying. 
Like, I, I went to Ann. I was like, Ann, what are you going to do with the college ministry? I mean, it's, it's on your shoulders. Um, I mean, for real, like I, I did. I mean, I'm sure you remember me telling you that, not that, but I, you remember me telling you that I was going through this. And um, y'all, like, it was this cycle. Like, I would feel these, these physical symptoms, and then um, I would get anxious about them, and then my anxiety would create more physical symptoms, and the cycle continued. And, like, it was, it was crazy. Um, and it was really, really difficult. Like, I, like I, w- I literally, I mean, I was standing down here, and... Um, did not know if I was going to be able to preach on a Thursday night. Like, I was so just anxious and fearful. Like, it was a weird experience. I say all of that to say, um, I, I've learned a few things. I, I kind of told that story because I want you to know, like, I've been there and it is real. Um, but I, I've learned a few things. Anxiety is a, um, it is a physical thing that can have not will always have, but, but more times than not, anxiety is a physical thing that can have a spiritual cure, okay? Um, it, I, I'm not saying that like any anxiety that you face is sinful, okay? That's why I'm saying it, it can be a physical thing, but a lot of times that physical thing can be solved through spiritual means, and, and here's what I mean by that. For me, I had to wrestle through, like, I was dealing with, like, an unhealthy fear of death, that the Lord did not have uh, the whole world in His hands, that He was not taking care of me, that, uh, you know, that, that ultimately I, I, I just, I didn't trust Him. And um, it's, it was really hard to work through that, but, man, I was, I was able to eventually get through that, and there's so much that can be said about anxiety. I mean, we could, we could spend weeks on this. Um, but I, I think really if I'm to boil this down into a short amount of time, I, I want you to know that there is hope. Um, and ultimately what I think you need to do is find out uh, there's almost always one of a few things, a desire to control your life. In my case, it was um, I was, had a daughter that was about to be born. I really wanted to see her born and grow up. And again, thought I was like not going to be able to see that. And so, um, you know, I, I really was dealing there with a lot of control, one, um, and it's not our job to control our own life. And um, we need to get that lie out of our head that we have some sort of a responsibility to control our own life. So uh, one of my favorite verses about that is um, Psalm 23, verse 1, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. It is not my job as a sheep uh, to go and try to figure out where the water is. It's not my job as a sheep to go and try to feed myself. Like I have a good shepherd that knows my needs, and so it is not my responsibility to control my life. Um, It's my responsibility to, to just go, can I see my shepherd? Um, the second thing that I would say uh, when it comes to anxiety um, is, is recognize, like sometimes it comes from a, a desire to control, but all, uh, other times it can come from like you're just believing lies. And so that's why it's so important to, again, when you believe lies, remind yourself of, of truth. It, it really is. Um, it's just so important. And back to the verse that uh, Hannah said, I don't know where she is, but... Um, First Peter five seven, Second Peter five seven. Um, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So what that means is like the Lord is not burdened by your anxieties. Um, there's no human on the planet that can say, "Hey, cast all your anxieties on me." And uh, like we know that because you, maybe you've had parents that you know and love, but there came a time that you asked your mom or dad enough questions, and they're like, "Please stop." Uh, the Lord will not do that to you. And you have the ability to go to him and to lay those anxieties at his feet because he truly does um, care for you. Yeah, that's kind of my hesitation with the first, you know, when you ask this question, how do you deal with it in a spiritual way? Like, really, I feel like the question was asked as, as if, like, anxiety can take away your spirituality or can pluck you from God's hand, but nothing can. Like, really, nothing can. And so, really, it's just a tool that God allows you um, to go through to draw near to Him and draw yeah. closer to Him. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, kind of fits in with, I told you guys, like, I kind of had walked through that season of, like, I can't remember how we said it, like, spiritual apathy. Um, I think those two things work together, but now on the back end, like, I, I'm just really, I feel like the Lord, like I, he's just drawn me really close to himself. So it's been cool. Uh, 
I'm going to skip the next question that says, how do you deal with anxiety in a spiritual way? And the only reason is because I want to get to the one after it. And um, we're going to be spending a few weeks in the spring together talking about spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, those questions will be answered in the spring. And if it's like something that, oh my gosh, I've got to get an answer, then I'll be right down here after the service. And I'd love to talk to you. And I'm sure Anne would too. Uh, let's end with this question, Anne, because we're over on time. And I, I mean, it's gospel driven kind of. It says, I was baptized at a young age. I knew God, but now I truly know him. I've always been a good person. Should I get baptized again? You want to? Go, or you want me to? Yeah, um, I'd love to, if it's a guy, Logan would love to talk to you. If it's a girl, I'd love to talk to you. Um, come find us afterwards. Um, but part of a little bit of my story, I was baptized at a young age. Didn't really understand. Did it because my sister did it. Um, and But, I, yeah, I didn't really know God. Um, but the Lord changed my life, like truly changed my life when I was in college. And I knew, I knew that, you know. So, I mean, I feel like even the fact that you're asking this question, maybe you kind of know, like, okay, I wasn't a believer then. So don't be afraid to, you know, do that again, just because like, what will the people think that saw me get baptized the first time? You know, what will they think? Um, that is never, you know, people's question. It's always a heart of celebration and excitement of what the Lord has done in your life. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, so the band can come back out now, make this sound spiritual. Uh, <laughs> Um, so when, when I read this and see, I was baptized at a young age, my first question, um, I just see that, you know, not like throwing shade or anything like that, but, um, I'm going to ask, were you baptized by immersion or were you sprinkled? Um, you know, uh, I think that that's important, you know, biblically, if, I, if I'm reading scripture, my best interpretation of, of this book is that we are called to after conversion, so after we have uh, made the decision for ourselves to accept God's free gift of salvation, um, then we are, um, we are, we are, we are then, like our next step of obedience uh, is biblical baptism by immersion. That word baptism in the Greek, baptizo, um, it basically means dip, dunk, submerge. So all the way under is, <laughs> is the only way to interpret that, okay? Um, and so one, I would say if you were like sprinkled in a Catholic background or anything like that, um, man, you if you make the decision to now get baptized, you're not invalidating or offend, like doing anything that would offend your parents. Matter of fact, like the decision that they had or that they made to get you baptized uh, was saying that they were committing you to follow the Lord one day later in life. And so you're in, in doing this, you're, you're basically saying, hey, mom, dad, uh, I have made that decision. And I, like, I, I am following Jesus now. So don't, don't feel like you would offend them. Um, this question says, I knew God, but now I truly know him. My, my question again there would be, when did you get saved? Um, baptism happens after conversion, okay? Um, and so I, I don't know where you got saved in that. I don't know when the decision was truly made to follow Jesus. Um, but I do know this, and um, I don't mean to like, if you ask this question again, I'm not like coming at you, but um, I do know this. The question says, I've always been a good person, and I know that you have not always been a good person um, because there are no good people. And this is kind of like our transition to the gospel. You guys can come grab all this stuff. Um, but like there, there are no good people. And um, ultimately, we, we need to recognize that, that each and every one of us, um, as, as much as we try, as, as hard as we try, uh, we could never do anything to earn our way to heaven. We could get baptized 15 times, and that does nothing to get you closer to heaven. Um, ultimately, the only thing that gets you into a relationship with Jesus, that gets you into heaven, is placing your faith in him. And so to, to answer that question, um, simply I would say, I, I would ask the question, have you been saved? Like, have you made the decision for yourself to accept God's free gift of salvation? Um, God loved you so much that he sent his son that in the middle of your sin, your sin that like was a direct offense to God, your sin that would separate you forever from God Almighty, a, a holy God, um, God sent his son to settle that payment on your behalf. And so if you trust that tonight, um, then you can be saved. And so for that person, um, I, I hope we've maybe hit on uh, the answer that you were hoping to get. 
Um, if not, again, I will be down front after the service and, and Ann will be too. We would love to answer any more questions that you have. This is, this is really important. And um, something that I've really been coming to um, come in to see, we, we've said this a few times uh, this semester, but we have had so many of y'all make the decision to get baptized this semester. Um, we've baptized like over 30-something people at North, and the majority of them are college students. Um, and that, like, that fires me up. That is the coolest thing ever. Through that, I've noticed this. Baptism, we, we say a lot, it's the first step of obedience. Um, I would almost reframe that. I feel like it is like the catalyst for obedience in your faith. Like, if you've not made the decision to get baptized, how can you really obey God 100% with everything else in your life? You know, I, I, I really have, have just kind of been thinking through that. And what I have seen is that as these college students have, made the, have taken the step in obedience uh, to get baptized, the first thing that we're commanded to do as followers of Jesus, it has unlocked uh, the ability to follow Jesus with everything they have in areas they were apprehensive, in areas that they like, man, they were, they were fearful. It has unlocked the ability to follow Jesus on such a deeper level. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There's no power in baptism, but I truly believe that tonight, today, like if you make the decision that, hey, this Sunday, whenever I'm gonna get baptized, I truly believe it'll be a catalyst for your obedience uh, in the Lord. So if you need to make that decision tonight, if you need to follow Jesus tonight, I'll be down front during this next song. I'll be down front after service. If you asked a question and it didn't get answered, uh, we would love to to answer those questions. So um, man, we love doing this. We love you guys. And uh, we're so glad that you guys are hungry for the things of the Lord. We see that in these questions. And I'm so proud of you guys for uh, just being willing to, uh, to ask those and to chase after the Lord with everything that you have. So uh, let me pray for us and then we're gonna worship a little bit more together. Lord, we love you. And um, God, we're so thankful that you loved us first. God, I ask now that you would stir in hearts, that you would uh, just receive so much praise from this next song that we're about to sing. Lord, we're about to sing about the simplicity of the gospel. And it really is simple, Lord, that, uh, that you sent your son to die in our place. And all we, have to do, all we have to do is believe in that truth and that we will receive eternal life. So Father, I pray that if there's anybody tonight that has not made that decision, that they would do so before they leave. We love you and it's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you.